Blog Talk Radio. Mississippi have sought a voice at work in the face of intimidation and threats. 
as the 2013 report outlines, now the company has refused an offer by the U.S. government to provide mediation that could have resolved the long-standing complaints about labor rights violations. Let's find out what some of those violations are. This is from Nissan. The offer was made after the UAW and the Industrial All-Global Union filed a report with the U.S. State Department detailing the history of labor rights abuses at Nissan North America and how these practices conflicted with the Organization for Economic Cooperation Development's guidelines for multinational enterprises. The OECD is an alliance of 34 developed nations, including the United States and Japan. The guidelines for multinational enterprise outline ethical business practices which the OECD member countries pledge to implement. Although Nissan engages in regular dialogue with trade unions around the world, the company has taken a different course in the United States, says UAW President Dennis Williams. It is clear Nissan behaves one way in some parts of the world, but is grossly exploiting workers in the United States. The fact that the company continues to ignore the severity of the situation in its refusal to end these abuses or engage in dialogues that could result in a positive step forward for both workers and the company is absolutely unreasonable. Jeriki Rainier, General Secretary of Industrial All, which represents 50 million workers globally, including 150,000 Nissan workers and a majority of Renault auto workers worldwide, says, UAW and industrial affiliates have repeatedly made attempts to meet with Nissan North America to resolve this issue. Nissan's unwillingness to engage in the OECD process sends a very worrisome message to its partners at Reynolds and Daimler, as well as the global investment community. We have known Nissan for its respective workers' rights elsewhere in the world, but in the U.S., we have heard evidence of intimidation and exploitation of its workers in their communities. This is a troubling step backward for Nissan. Nissan North America Incorporated, in cooperation with guidance from Nissan Corporate Headquarters in Japan, conduct corporate-wide labor rights review processes, this is what they say, consistent with the recommendations of the OECD guidelines. They also recommend that Nissan consider other forms of mediation to resolve the issues raised in this case. Uh, I wanted to mention something here. They didn't specific, I just wanted to say, they didn't specifically say what the intimidation was and what they were doing. So they weren't specific. I wish they'd been a little more specific in this article so right. that you would know what they were doing. Um, I wanted to mention uh, Walker. Uh, Scott Walker, governor of Wisconsin, mm -hmm. uh, he asked me to send this over to me today. And I, it's something I think we should mention. Is a uh, he uh, he is cutting over three hundred million dollars out of the state budget. Let me read this for education. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. Governor Scott Walker proposed a massive and draconian three hundred million dollar cut to the University of Wisconsin system oh of colleges. God and universities in his budget address. 
January 3rd, posing another stumbling block for the state's economy and for middle-class families. And this guy is just brutal. I mean, why would these chiefs have to keep this guy in office? I, I, I don't know. I mean, they deserve what they get by voting for this guy. Well, it's probably a, an no, no, it's a, election you know, it, it may be, but just the significance of this cut is hard to overstate in Wisconsin, which prides itself on building and maintaining an affordable, accessible, high-quality system of public higher education. Wisconsinites call this commitment the Wisconsin idea, and it is in jeopardy. The proposed cut also would have disastrous impacts on Wisconsin's economy. The UW system, uh, the University of Wisconsin system, students uh, and the local communities would support these institutions. Uh, the University of Wisconsin system is one of the largest economic drivers in the state, generating more than one more than $15 billion to the Wisconsin economy annually, while requiring a $1.2 billion investment from the state. This return on investment helps power economies around Wisconsin through 26 colleges and universities across the state and employs more than 39,000 staff. Already, university administrators are sounding the alarm. University of Wisconsin Milwaukee Chancellor Mark Moan blasted the plan on a campus-wide address. I can't help but be angry, he said. I can't help but be upset. I can't help but really think about our mission and how we cannot continue in the way, same way with the same values. Other school officials warned that the plan would likely lead to layoffs. And a little, a little covered piece of uh, Walker's legislation would eliminate state laws governing the uh, United, uh, University of Wisconsin system. According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, under the plan, the university system would be free to raise tuition at will and without oversight starting in 2017, hmm. at a time when skyrocketing tuitions are leaving two-thirds of college graduates with student debt that now totals more than $1 trillion. The Walker Plan is exactly what students don't need. You know, what a, what a, what a moron. Piece of work what, a, what a complete and utter moron. And it's really frightening. Let me, let me look at something else here. Uh, let, me just, let me just tell you what the winners and losers this week of um, workers' rights. Okay. Let me just get to that. There it is. Okay. Every week they talk about who were the winners of persons or organizations that go above and beyond to expand and protect the rights of working families. While the losers will be whoever went above and beyond to limit or deny those rights. The winners. A union-made Super Bowl from the members of the NFL Players Association to the makers of Gatorade, members of the United Steelworkers, which was dumped on winning New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick's head. Union members were a big part of Super Bowl uh, 49. Runners-up are the oil workers who are striking for safe and secure jobs in healthy communities. The loser, New York, Gover New York Governor Andrew Cuomo for pushing a reform plan that targets teachers instead of trying to actually make things better for students. The runner-up, West, West Virginia legislators for considering legislation that would repeal the prevailing wage law in the state despite a recent report showing that the law to be good for both workers and business. 
talk about a step backwards. Huh? Well, here's a statement from the ASME president, Lee Saunders, regarding the, uh, um, what's her name, the uh, Harris versus Quinn. The court decision? Sex, yeah, sex discrimination. Um, and uh, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I mean, look, actually... Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me let me read his, his statement. Okay. Uh, today's Supreme Court decision does not. Uh, this is actually. This was made the June thirtieth. But why why would it be in there now? I guess because not everybody knows about it. Oh no, maybe there's something more. February twenty first.
as well as fair treatment in the workplace. Let's be candid about why cases like Harris versus Quinn are rising to the Supreme Court. Women make up 45% of union membership and will become the majority by 2020. That has anti-worker forces worried. They know that if women enjoy collective bargaining rights and have a strong voice in their workplace, the inequalities of the past, which favored their power and bottom line, will begin to fade away. Nearly 60% of women earn more if they were paid, would earn more if they were paid the same as men, and the poverty rate for women would be cut in half. We have already lost too much time and, frankly, too much compensation owed for our work. I know that providers have a better chance of financial stability when they choose a union to represent them. Uh, the evidence on that is clear. The question now is whether the Supreme Court justices will side with hardworking women and men or rule in favor of those changing to the inequalities of the past. While you're looking for that, I yeah, want to mention right. that the NFL Players Association is a sustained drive for players' rights. Oh, here. Okay. More, this, let me finish this. More than 100 million people in the United States and millions more worldwide will watch today's Super Bowl, be, and they did, between the Seattle Seahawks and the New, New England Patriots. While we, will, while we were all gathered in living rooms and bars surrounded by our favorite game room and beverages, the Seahawks and Patriots players will be on the job in a workplace covered by strong collective bargaining agreement that guarantees workers' rights, protect, protections, and benefits. But as this new video, and they have a new video, points out, it didn't come easy. 
From the early demands for clean socks and fresh jocks in 1956, when the union was established through the epic battles that led to free agency in 1993, all the way to the expansion of benefits that continues today, the NFL Players Association is built upon a rich history of great fighting, of great men fighting on behalf of all players, former, active, and future. The NFL Players Association has a long history of assuring proper recognition and representation, and representation of players' interests, including in matters concerning wages, hours, working conditions, health, protecting the rights as professional football players, and enduring that terms of collective bargaining and ensuring that the terms of the collective bargaining agreement are met. And they have a very short little audio piece there. Can you put it on that? Yes, I think so. Buffering. Mm, it may not. A little too buffered. It looks like it's probably not going to come up. I Usually it comes up right away. So. I do have one here, though, that I wanted to play. And this is regarding uh, six companies that profit from the police state. Um, and it, uh, it's produced, it's had, a, it's had over a, you know, a million views on uh, YouTube. What is it, six it's companies? Six companies that profit from the police state. Um, and it's by Brave New Films. Uh, or, but let, let, let's play this, and I, I think you'll be, be interested to hear it. Yeah, very, two point, very interesting. Yeah, it's only a minute and a half. We're showing big profits. We'll tell you that things been better. We expose six institutions profiting uh, by... Global telling takes advantage of people who are so vulnerable. Fathers in prison, it costs $17 to call dad for 15 minutes. Horizon makes money off sick prisoners by denying care. It's That's as funny. simple as that. The, the Geo Group is able to make amazing profits by not doing their job, by not keeping facilities clean, by going cheap. The bail bondsman industry is taking advantage of people in jail by charging unbelievable amounts of money to get out. Cops seize assets by merely suspecting someone of illegal behavior. And so your car, whatever possessions you have on your person, can be taken away. CCA is moving to make prison sentences longer and harsher and making laws easier to break. America has 2.2 million incarcerated people. It's a statistic that we should be ashamed of. Hmm. So that's that's what's happening there, folks. That's how you're getting it. That's what's happening there. So they make it impossible for prisoners yeah. to keep in touch with their families by... Yeah, they make it so expensive that they can't afford to call. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and... They you have to have money to, do, to make a call. Right, right. But you can't be given any cash, so you can't yeah. do it that way. So right. the person you're calling has to set up something, right. and they maybe don't have any money. That's right. And so you can't contact your, your, your family. Or they or make it so difficult. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like dealing with Frontier. <laughs> yeah. 
for you, those of you who customer are, may not be in Connecticut. Uh, Maybe uh, you've Frontier.com had... is one nightmare of a company to deal with. Uh, with the, I mean, we were down for an entire week and a half without Internet service uh, because of this company that took over uh, AT&T's uh, stuff in Connecticut. And, I mean, there, there is major. I'm sure there's not a, there's, there must be a major class action suit coming up. I have uh, to say we, we wouldn't have Internet except for one loyal, responsible employee who followed through. Yeah, yeah, he was a great I guy. Finally I found, we finally was, found one. Yeah, I think he, he was just tired of having to come, come over, and he thought of everything that was that could possibly go be wrong with this thing. And then he, he finally figured oh, out. Oh, you need a new router. I think that's what you need. And so we got a new router. Knockwood. Yeah, he brought one over, and it was like, oh, it works. Wow, after two weeks, he could have said this before. But we had a new router uh, only about a month or so before when we had another down for about a week. And uh, so everything, we're still uh, amending our wounds here, licking our wounds from not having uh, 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 this capability for over a week and uh, not being able to do a whole week's worth of shows. But uh, anyway, uh, that's that was then. This is now. We're doing a lot better. So here's another thing that really was quite interesting. Obama just quietly sent his chief of staff to count homeless people in San Francisco. Really? Yeah. This is from what huh. Huffington Post. Yeah. I wonder why he sent his chief of staff. It's not every day a top-ranking White House official gets hands-on in a local operation, especially with very few cameras around. But last Thursday evening, Dennis McDonough uh, just uh, did just that. President Obama's chief of staff ventured into the San Francisco streets along with major... Ed Lee and Trent, Mayor Ed Lee. Mayor Ed Lee and Trent Rohr, director of cities, a city's a human services agency, and uh, San Francisco Gate uh, reported. The trio were volunteers for the city's biennial survey that counts how many people are homeless and breaks down the figures by demographics like age and gender. Only a small number of staff and Secret Service members joined them as they counted. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. What I see here, um, what uh, what I see here, what we just walked through, this is a problem. This is a quote. McDonough said, gazing at half of a, half a dozen homeless people, according to the news news source. But this is the same sort of challenge we face all over the country. <coughs> Excuse me. The numbers tell the story, and that's why this count is so important. The survey is required of cities by the Department of Housing and Urban Development to qualify for federal funding of community homeless programs, according to the National Alliance to End Homelessness. In January of 2014, nationwide surveys for HUD, offered, often referred to as point-in-time count, found that there were 578,424 people experiencing homelessness in the U.S. Of that figure, 2016, 216,197 were people with families, and roughly 9% were veterans. While those figures are hardly worth celebrating, uh, annual data tracking homelessness has shown progress consistent with the country's climb out of the Great Recession. <coughs> As the Washington Post reported in October, there has been a 10% drop in homelessness since 2010, when Obama launched an initiative focused on ending homelessness among groups that are disproportionately affected by the issue. There were there 
there's been a 33% drop in homelessness among veterans, one of such populations in the same span of time. The problem with that is, okay, that you get 22 veterans every day killing themselves, right? So that would that would probably equate for the drop in homelessness, don't you think? Maybe. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's sad to say that, but uh, that's true. 22 a day are killing themselves. Although the U.S. has experienced an overall decline in homelessness in recent years, local efforts have witnessed varied uh, uh, levels of success and failure. Last December, for example, New York City found that 59,068 um, a record number high of residents were living without shelter. Cities like Phoenix and Salt Lake City, however, have made significant strides in ending chronic veteran homelessness in their communities. In San Francisco, where the 2013 point in time count found 6,436 homeless people, McDonough's uh, visit was practically hush-hush. San Francisco Gate reported, the chief of staff said Obama simply wanted a first-hand account of how the city is fighting for its most vulnerable residents. Hmm. Anyway. Well, that's good that he cares. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah. Well, he didn't get a lot of publicity over it, so. No, well, he did. It wasn't a It wasn't a publicity stunt. Yeah. He just wanted to know, I guess. Yeah. No, so many times. U.S. workers um, should be aware of promises that the proposed Trans-Pacific Partnership will create jobs. Yes. When eval evaluating the recent Obama administration claim that the TPP will create 650,000 jobs, the Washington Post fact-checker fact gave it the lowest po possible rating of four Pinocchios, <laughs> <laughs> a.k.a. a real whopper. Let's, I'll read a little more and see why they say that. We are, uh, be wary whenever a politician claims a policy will yield bountiful jobs. In this case, the correct number is zero, not 650,000. <clears> According to the very study used to calculate the number, administration officials earn four Pinocchios for their fishy math. We agree after asking the administration for more than four years for information on expected job gains from the TPP by industry and geography, we have still not received any information. Given the job performance of prior so-called trade agreements, such as the North American Free Trade, nearly 700,000 jobs lost, and the U.S.-Korea Free Trade Act, 60,000 jobs lost, we view any promises about trade and job creation with extreme skepticism, as so we sh so should we all. Here's one. Uh, I, we mentioned that, um, um, what's his face, uh, Scott Walker um, in Wisconsin. And we focus on Wisconsin because this, this, is, this is such a union-busting, public union-busting uh, place. But um, I think progress is that Wisconsin officials call Scott Walker's budget nonsensical. Huh. And even Republicans think it's, he's out of his mind. Right. Uh, 
says here, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker unveiled his budget for 2.15 in a primetime speech Tuesday night. Telling the state assembly it will help restore the American dream right here in Wisconsin. But as the governor struggles to close a nearly $2 billion budget gap, state officials on both sides of the aisle tell Think Progress the plan is nonsensical and predict it will trigger public sector layoffs, weaken environmental protections, and devastate higher education. State leaders are also blasting the budget as fiscally irresponsible, uh, estimating that one controversial proposal uh, to administer drug tests for, t- for food stamp resistance could cost local com- counties millions. And former, uh, rep- re- former Republican Senate Majority Leader Dale Schultz added that the governor's policies over the last four years created much of the budget gap in the first place. And Walker inherited a big deficit from Dr. from Governor Doyle, but now uh, we're back in the same soup because of the anti-government starved the beast mentality, Schultz told the Think Progress. As soon as there was an, uh, any revenue, Walker wanted to cut taxes. It's great for turning on a certain element of his base, but I'm not sure what it's doing for the average mother and father in Wisconsin. The governor's new budget cuts, uh, property taxes, were uh, further uh, merges agencies that provide uh, public services and divert funds from public schools into expanding private voucher programs. Remember, that's what that idiot uh, wanted to do, too. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Foley. Oh, uh, yeah. The guy who ran for governor yep. in, our, in our state. Yeah, that's a favorite uh, Republican. Thank God, thank God uh, lost, too, because that that's a favorite Republican idea. He would have devastated public Yeah, that, what it does is it gives the rich uh, uh, money to send their kids to private school. It, it, gives, it, gives, uh, it gives everybody a chance to, uh, I mean, you, you know, to overcrowd certain schools and then, and, and then uh, you know, uh, you know, and communities. What it, what it, what it does, does, Leo, is it gives the rich a tax break for their private schools and the poor have to go to public schools that have been abandoned. Yeah, but they go to the magnet schools. That's, that, that whole thing here was a whole magnet school thing. All right? That, was only, that take, was only part of it. But, but it was not a good idea. Well, he's, it was, it was well he, li- the, he lives in Greenwich or someplace like yeah, that yeah, where yeah, everybody yeah, uses yeah. private schools and he give all his buddies a cat, chunk That's of yeah, cash. Yeah. Well, anyway, aside from that, um, you know, the plan also unprecedented uh, massive cuts to state universities, public media, and the State Department of National Resources will also take a big hit, losing 66 jobs, the ability to create new land conservation until 228, and much of the power to regulate polluters. As he indicated last week, Walker's budget also aims to force many people on public assistance in the state to take a drug test. <laughs> you know. Uh, which is ruled unconstitutional in other states. And though many adults who receive food stamps are already working, the proposal would also make them enroll in an employment and training program in order to get benefits. Now, some might claim that, that we're making it harder to get government assistance. We're not, Walker, Governor Walker said. We're making it easier to get a job. The next step is to require able-bodied uh, adults to children. Without children to pass a drug test. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, who, who, I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because Wisconsin voted this Jericho in and they got to sit with it. I have a good article here. Five causes of wage, wage stagnation in the United States. Okay. Because that affects everybody. 
The first cause is the abandonment of full employment. For a variety of reasons, policymakers largely have focused on keeping inflation rates low, even if that meant high un unemployment. A large pool of unemployed workers means companies are under less pressure to offer good wages or benefits in order to attract workers. Since the Great Recession, austerity measures at all levels of government have made this problem worse. EPI says excessive unemployment has been a key cause of wage inequality since research shows that high rates of unemployment dampen wage growth more for workers at the bottom of the wage ladder than at the middle and more at the middle than at the top. Declining union density. An extreme pro-business interests have pushed policies that lower union membership. The wages of low and middle-aged workers have stagnated. Higher unionization leads to higher wages, and the decrease in unionization has led to the opposite effect. The decline in the density of workers covered by collective bargaining agreements not only has weakened the ability of unionized workers to fight for their own wages and benefits, but also their ability to set higher standards for non-union workers. Number three, changes in the labor market policies and business practices. The EPI argues a range of changes in what we call labor market policies and business practices have weakened wage growth in recent decades. Among the numerous changes they describe include the lowering of the inflation-adjusted value of the federal minimum wage, the decrease in overtime eligibility for workers, increasing wage theft, particularly affecting immigrant workers, misclassification of workers as independent contractors, and declining budgets and staff for government agencies that enforce labor standards. I believe that. Deregulation of the finance industry and the unleashing of CEOs. The deregulation of the finance has contributed to lower wages in several ways, including the shifting of compensation toward the upper end of the spectrum, the use of the financial sector's political power to favor low inflation, low inflation over low unemployment as a policy goal, and the deregulation of inter international capital flows, which has kept policymakers from addressing imbalances such as the U.S. trade deficit. Failing top tax rates, preferred tax treatment of stock options and bonuses, failures in corporate governance, and the deregulation of finance all combined to increase the incentive and the ability of well-placed economic actors to claim large incomes over the past generation. And the last one, globalization policies. Decades spent in the pursuit of policies that prioritize corporate interests over worker interests led to the lowering of wages to middle and lower income workers in the U.S. The EPI concludes international trade has been a clear fact of suppressing wages in the middle of the wage structure while providing, providing a mild boost to the top, particularly since 1995. This is the most amazing article here, but says, this is by uh, Nation of Change, but it says, meet the extreme super rich. These 80 people own more than the world's poorest 
uh, cool. 3.6 billion, which is half the world's population, right? But what's worse is that by, you know, who, who will read this? While income inequality is becoming greater, the rich continue to get richer, yet this is no accident. The central bank and government policies are to blame. It's not a recession, it's robbery. And before I get into the meat of this post, I want to make it clear that the definition of oligarch, a term of use a lot... The term is, I use a lot. Is not, uh, ...is not centered solely around money. But late last year, in the, in the post Inside the Mind of an Oligarch, uh, Sheldon Allison proclaims, I don't like journalism. <laughs> I attempted to frame the word oligarch as I use it. I wrote the following. Um, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. While many oligarchs are extremely wealthy or have access to extreme wealth, not all people in, with extreme wealth are oligarchs. The uh, term oligarch is reserved to those with extreme wealth who also want to control the political process, like the Koch brothers. Yes. Uh, and policy lovers and those and most other aspects of the lives of the citizenry in a top-down, tyrannical, and undemocratic manner. They think they know best about pretty much everything and believe un unelected technocrats who share their worldview should be empowered uh, so that they can unilaterally make all of the society's important decisions. The unwashed masses in their minds are unnecessary distractions who must be told what to do. Useless eaters who need to be brainwashed into worshiping the oligarch mindset or turned into apathetic automatons, uh, incapable of un or unwilling to engage in critical thought. Either outcome is equally acceptable and equally encouraged. With that out of the way, 538, 538 provided the following. I'm not sure what 538 is. I don't either. Is. 80 people hold the same amount of wealth in the world as 3.6 billion poorest people. And according to an analysis just released from Oxfam, the report from the Global Anti-Poverty Organization finds that since 2009, the wealth of those 80 richest have doubled in nominal terms, while the wealth of the poorest 50% of the world's population has fallen. There you have it. The reason the wealth of the richest has doubled since 2009 is because it's not a recession, it's a robbery. And central bank and government policies have done this. It is no accident. For more evidence, four years earlier, 388 billionaires together held as much wealth as the poorest 50% of the world. 35 of the 80 richest people in the world are U.S. citizens, with combined wealth of $941 billion in 2014. Together in second place are Germany and Russia, with seven mega-rich individuals apiece. The entire list is dominated by one gender, though. Seventy of the 80 richest people are men, and 68 of the people are on the list are 50 or older. Oxfam notes that global wealth inequality is increasing while the rich get richer. If trends continue, the organization projects that the richest 1% of the people will have more wealth than the remaining 99% by 2016. Here's the list in billions. Yeah, yeah. Number one, Bill Gates, $76 billion. Carlos Slim Helu, $72 from Mexico. Mexico Telecom must yeah. be a... And uh, oh. Amanco Ortega. Amancio Ortega, yeah, well, $64 billion. billion. Spanish, Spanish retail. Warren Buffett, 
Robert Adelson, yeah. 38 billion USA Entertainment. Christy Walton, 37 billion USA. These are the two Walton uh, family members. USA, USA uh, Walmart. The Walmart. Walmart's Jim Walton, 35 USA Retail. Well, Lillian Betancourt, 35 billion France product. Stefan Pearson, 34 million sweet billion yeah. Sweden retail Swedish retail. Oh, Elvis Walton, she's she's a billion dollars less than her brother and sister. Yeah. Christy is uh, 37 bill. Jim is 35 bill, and Alice Walton is 34 billion. Hmm. Right. She's they're all Walmart uh, people. Rob Robson Walton is 34. Oh, he's 34. USA retail and Bernard Arnault, thirty-four billion in France, France luxury, whatever that Michael means. Michael Bloomberg is thirty-three billion. That's, he owns Bloomberg. Larry uh, Page, former mayor of New York, thirty-two billion. Jeff Bezos, Bezos. Bezos. He's the Who's he? he says he's Amazon. Oh, he's USA the owner of Amazon. Retail. Yeah, says USA retail. Sergey Brin, thirty-two billion. Yeah. Lai Kai Shing, thirty-one. Billion Hong Kong diversified. Mark Zuckerberg. I was surprised they have USA Tech and not and not uh, you know Facebook. You know Mark Zuckerberg is Facebook. Michelle Ferrer. Ferrero. Italy food. I don't know what that Some is. kind of Italian Federico Dangat. Nigeria commodities. Carl Albrecht. German retail. Carl Icahn. USA finance. George, George Soros. Soros. Finance. David Thompson, Canadian media. media. Louis Che Wu, 22 billion, Hong Kong Entertainment. Peter Schwartz, 22 German retail. Al Walid Ben Talal, Saudi Arabian. Yeah, he's the, he's the, he was the king of uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Forrest Mars Jr., 20 billion dollars. Jacqueline, food. Jacqueline oh, Mars. Mars, Forrest Mars, 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 Mars bars. John Mars, twenty billion. And his sister, Jacqueline Mars. And John and Mars. John Mars. All brothers. George Paulo Lemon. Whoever he is. Brazil drinks. Lee Shaki. Hong Kong diversified. Steve Ballmer. Let's let's see where Leonardo Del Vecchio, Italy luxury. Lynn Blavitt. Uh, still, I mean, that's eighty of these guys. Yeah. Can we recognize any more of these? And Cox Chambers, no, USA right. Media. Um, oh, Cox. That would yeah, be Cox. Cox. Cox Media. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, anybody else? Uh, Cox Media is worth how much? $16 billion. Poor thing. Pity. 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 Pity wealth. Uh, Rupert see. Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. Where He's is he? 79. 79. He's really stuck. Hey, you know who's not on that? No. Ted Turner. He's not in the top 20, uh, top 80. Surprised. Huh. I'm very surprised. It's a CNN guy. And all I wonder if we missed him. No, he's not in there. Hmm. He's not in the top 80. I'm sure he's in the top uh, 388, but not in the, uh, I, It says, I didn't provide this list to say whether the people are good or bad. I provide it because whenever 80 people own as much as the poorest 50% of the gold, we globe. We sure better know who they are. We should also be cognizant of the disproportionate influence any of them can have on public affairs should they want to. Well, yeah, they probably they all, all pay for influence. Yeah, 
Yes. Yeah. You know, Bill Gates, richest man in the world, he's a major eugenicist. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. pushing that. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. So let's see. we got about ten minutes left. Oh, this was really amazing. GOP senator, don't force employees to wash their hands after using the toilet. What? Yeah. Of course, the Republican from He wants North to talk about people using the water? Is that no, no, he's saying you uh, don't have to, people don't have to be forced to wash their hands. Yeah, if they work in a restaurant, they do. Thank you. Yeah, in a week back with news over concern for public health, Senator Tom Tillis, a Republican from North Carolina, described his own history of opposing certain health and hygiene regulations including those that require employees to wash their hands after using the bathroom. He opposed that. (laughs) During a Q&A at the Bipartisan Policy Center on Monday, Tillich related a story from his time in the state legislature in 2010, complaining that the U.S. is one of the most regulated nations in the history of the planet. I was having a discussion with someone, and we were at Starbucks in my district, and we were talking about certain regulations where I felt like maybe you should allow business to opt out. Senator said. Tillis said that interlocutor was in disbelief and asked whether he thought businesses should be allowed to opt out or require employees to wash uh-huh. their hands after using the restroom. The senator said he'd be fine with it so long as business made it this clear in advertising and employee literature. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine anybody going to that store with a
Well, Green was not alone in his concerns. Representative LeVar Christian said always counting sex with an unconscious person as rape would make the definition too broad. <laughs> and ultimately, however, Green and Christensen overcame their misgivings. The bill passed the committee unanimously and moved to the full house. So let's just listen to this moron for a minute. And the changes drew some concern from lawmakers, especially when it came to the removal of consent when someone is unconscious. Some legislators said today they didn't like the idea of defining rape as having intercourse with an unconscious person. It looks to me now like sex with an un unconscious person is, by definition, rape. I hope this wouldn't happen, but this opens the door to it. A, uh, an individual has sex with their wife while she is unconscious, or he, you know, the other way around, if that's possible, I don't know. Um, he out of but, his mind? Uh, a prosecutor could then charge that spouse with rape. I understand. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know what the hell are you, what are you thinking? Who's brain dead? <laughs> really? Yeah, it's really nuts. If you and want to go to that, you can go to Think Progress. It's a recent issue. And a wife has a right to give consent or not. Yeah, and if she's sleeping, uh, chances are she may not be giving consent. Too eager to, to get uh, to, 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 to have sex there. Especially if she's I unconscious. She's unconscious. <laughs> I mean, here's some good news for a change. This is crazy news, but here's some good news. Oh, here's some bad, one more bad news thing. This is so sick. Obama. He's off. He's got the IRS is offering extra uh, offers extra refunds to illegal aliens. Well, no wonder they want to come here. It says IRS Commissioner John Cossenstein, Cossenstein confirmed Tuesday that illegal immigrants granted amnesty for deportation under Obama's new policies would be able to get extra refunds from the IRS for money they earned while working illegally as long as they filed returns during those years. Who the hell working illegally would file uh, an IRS return? I can't imagine. I mean, well, you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. Must be but, some personal friend of Obama's. But illegal, yeah, illegal immigrants who are granted the amnesty will be given official Social Security numbers, which mean they can go back and amend up to three years of previous tax forms to well, or, Now, they're going to, well, how are they going to prove how much money they made. You know what I mean? Additional payments they were ineligible for for the amnesty. Oh, they go back. Oh, we made uh, $100,000 that year uh, uh, illegally. Yeah, yeah. You know, we are, we, we're, we're unemployed now. All right. I don't think anybody. Does that make any sense at all? No. Okay. All I can say is there must be one person who wanted it. Well, yeah, it was some, whoever it was. Mr. Goshenkeen, Neen, uh, said. They will have to have uh, already filed returns for those back years, and there's a statute of limitations that governs how far they can go back. I mean, it's, it's the whole idea. You know what a stupidity that is. Who in the hell in his right mind is an illegal worker filed any uh, any tax returns? Probably okay. zero. So why even bother with it? I mean, it is uh, totally stupid, stupid, amazing, stupid. But you know that's that's the kind of way government is. It's totally, absolutely stupid. And there's one more thing I wanted to read, which knocked me out. 
which one? No, I was happy to hear this. Workers at this coffee shop make twelve fifty an hour and don't have to worry about tips. Mm-hmm. That was good because you know that that that's good. All right, what this guy did. Uh, Andrew Copland and his wife Amanda have operated the coffee shop Copland's Coffee in St. Paul, Minnesota, for eight mm-hmm. years. But they made a big change in January. They swapped the tip jar for a living wage. A big part of their inspiration for change came from realizing how unstable Copeland's employees were. They weren't really disgruntled or anything like that, he told Think Progress. I was just watching them and realizing this is a stress we should figure out. Those who worked Monday mornings were nearly guaranteed to make more tips. Those working late on Friday would probably make less just because business was slower. It didn't make sense for him to have workers making less during the slow periods anyway. There's plenty of work that should be done in the afternoon when not as many people are there, he noted. Things need to be cleaned. Items need to be stocked. If that doesn't happen, we're in trouble, he said. That's not tip work normally, but it's necessary work. The shop also prides itself in retaining staff and wants to make it even more attractive to stick around. We've been lucky with loyalty. We keep people on average for two years, which is pretty high for coffee shops, he said proudly. A more stable wage and one that's easier to live off can keep people around. That brings the coffee shop benefits as customers get to know the baristas who work there because the baristas stick around for a while. He and his wife spent six months running the numbers to make sure the company could afford to increase pay, but the employees would still all make under the new regime, would all make more under the new regime than they had made making tips. Then they sat down with employees to see what they thought. They were like, this is great, we'd love to do this, he said. That was the the go point for me when I had 100% employee support. The starting wage at the coffee shop is now twelve fifteen an hour because he said that most employees are making more because they've been working with him for a year or more and they got reviews with potential for raises every six months. The change has been positive. Before employees were always trying to scrape up enough money to get by, he said, now I'm working, I don't have to worry. If you're working, you don't have to count tips. You know this. From firsthand experience, as he works behind the counter alongside his employees five days a week, tips were big for me too, he said, so it was a big shift for me to get paid without them. But it hasn't come for free for the consumer. To cover the increased cost of labor, the store raised its price by about 20%. He and his wife took potential lost sales with higher prices into account when deciding when to get rid of the tips but he doesn't think it's been a huge disruption for customers. We're already a high-end specialty shop, so our prices were already high, higher, he said. Plus, for a lot of customers, they're not paying that much different because they were tossing a dollar in the tip jar anyway. Now he says his prices are honest. If the tipping is optional, he reasons, then why not uh, bake the extra money into the price for the, uh, for the coffee? If you're going to be mad at people for not tipping a dollar, just charge them a dollar more, he said. This price reflects what coffee costs to make her, to coffee costs to make fairly. Tipping is such an, an expected part of the restaurant industry that there's even a lower minimum wage for those 
will make gratuity. The federal floor is $2.13 an hour for tip workers, although some states require them to be paid the minimum wage as other workers. But Copland's Coffee isn't the first eatery to think about getting rid of them and paying the higher wage. Restaurants from Pittsburgh to Kentucky to New York to the West Coast have done the same thing, as has a brew pub in Washington, D.C. Owners have realized that not only does tipping introduce unpredictability into workers' lives, it doesn't actually improve the quality of service, which only accounts for a percentage point or so in the difference in tip sizes. Instead, tips have more to do with whether a server is white, female, attractive, or touches a customer on the arm. A server's need to work for tips can also create an atmosphere that leads to sexual harassment. Nearly 80% of women in the restaurant industry say they've been harassed by a customer. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're, we're so glad. The show's done, but we're glad to hear that uh, some places there are progressive and helping their employees rather than... That's pretty you know, neat. I think that's great. And if they're making a living wage. Exactly. I think they are. I think it's important for everybody to make a decent wage. So. But thanks for living, listening, folks. Yes. And uh, I hope you have a good night. And, Leo, are you going to be talking to people tomorrow? I will be on tomorrow, yes. And I'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. Yeah, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, folks. Join the unions.